Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. I help people get it done in the sense of achieving their dreams of home ownership. Getting it done can mean so many things. It can come in all shapes and sizes. This podcast is about that central theme, getting it done, whatever that may be. In the future, we're going to have guests talk about their own personal experiences in getting it done, how they overcame adversity to achieve their dreams. Once again, I'm Jimmy Ryan, and I'll be your host, and this is our story. Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. Today, we are blessed to have Margot Fuller. She is from Lithuania. She is a realtor in New York, New Jersey, and Florida at Nest Seekers International. I just totally paused it because I'm like, I'm, I was just looking at it on the website. Such a cool thing. Uh, she is a fearless realtor, and I just can't wait to jump into her story. Margo, welcome to the Get It Done podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. For sure. Well, we're going to jump right into it, but if you could just tell me for a minute, what is uh, Nest Seekers International? Uh, you know, I'm in Wisconsin, but also in Florida, and you know, we have a national audience. What is Nest Seekers International? How did it start, and uh, how'd you get there? So Nest Seekers International is right now multinational brand. Uh, it started in New York City and then the company was um, expanding into other major markets in the United States, um, including LA. We have an office in Beverly Hills. Recently we opened uh, an office in Miami and Palm Beach. Um, there are plenty of offices in uh, New York State, Manhattan. Uh, we recently opened a flagship um, office on Park Avenue, uh, where the billionaire row is, and uh, we have offices in the Hamptons, uh, also abroad in Portugal, uh, Hong Kong. So we are everywhere, and we go where our clients go, um, and it's easy to work uh, different markets when you're in a company that has presence everywhere. Yeah, for sure. And you guys are dealing with some pretty high-end properties. I was looking at, you know, some of your listings are 20 plus million dollars. Um, I got kind of lost in some of the stories of, of you know, some of the like ex-NBA players, all, all sorts of different uh, houses that you're listing. Um, I guess, why do you guys attract that type of a, a client? The, the I would say it's not even upper end. It's like the literally the extreme upper end. Yeah, so we focus on luxury and ultra luxury properties. I um, think a lot of this has to do with how Nest Seekers brand presents itself, that we are a luxury brand. Uh, also, I don't know if you're familiar with um, all these real estate shows. Uh, so Nest Seekers started uh, showcasing their agents on Bravo TV's Million Dollar Listing. And then last year, uh, our company came up with a new Netflix show called Million Dollar Beach House, which is um, following five or six Nest Seekers agents in the Hamptons. Um, and, you know, there are talks of another season. And I think this actually uh, portraying our agents as uh, luxury agents attracts more people who want to list with us. Absolutely. And look, you and your husband definitely command it. Uh, uh, Rob, which by the way, is Rob, a, uh, are you more of 
the person that's the the, the head of it? Uh, is Rob more behind the scenes, or how does how does Rob get involved? So we uh, combine our uh, different skill sets. I would say Rob is more outgoing and more uh, easygoing. So he usually likes to engage with clients and sometimes do you know the talking part when it comes to submit submitting offers or running comms or or something where you have to be thorough uh then it's my job unfortunately uh you know hopefully <laughs> soon i'll have help we're looking for you know some assistant help to deal with that because you know it, when you grow your business and you have you want to spend more time doing sales than doing admin stuff. And now that we have a lot of going on, I just feel like it takes my time from actually being out there in the field myself. Well, I really love that. That's literally the struggle of any top producer out there. And it's growing that team. Uh, and as a team here, team, get it done right here. We're like, we always have to add on more people. And you're right. The admin is the part that if I'm honest, I hate, I hate, I hate all the paperwork and I'm sure you can relate to it. Most top yeah. sales people are that same way. We want to get out and talk. We want to go see the houses, shake hands, kiss babies, you know, be the face of it. But as far as all the paperwork, yeah, you're right. Let's, let, let's have somebody else do that. And I bet you just, just with releasing the show that we could probably uh, help you find that. Um, but I want to, uh, I want to go uh, back in your story. So the Get It Done podcast is all about the come up story. We use Elon Musk as an example. Uh, he has a story of going from a million dollars a year to a billion dollars and then becoming the richest person in the world. Uh, and that's a great story, awesome. But what we're really looking for is the zero to a million story, the come up story. And best play to place to start with you, Margo, is where were you born? I already know the answer, but let, let's start. Where were you born? And, uh, and take us from there. All right, so I was born in Lithuania, which is um, a small country in North uh, Europe. So I lived there until I graduated high school, and then I just started moving around the world. Uh, first, I moved for my bachelor's degree just one country north uh, to Latvia, uh, to the great uh, Stockholm School of Economics. Afterwards, I didn't know where to go, what to do. I was not really ready for, you know, settling down. So I just found a job in Barcelona. Um, I don't remember even how, but that was pretty ballsy, I would say. I, I never even visited Barcelona. I just saw great pictures and that it's warm over there. I'm like, all right, great, let's go. Uh, so then I worked there after my uh, bachelor's studies, and then I decided that I need to study more finance. So I studied a uh, master's degree in finance at the University of Amsterdam. And it was my dream back then to work on Wall Street. I just thought it's so cool with all the stock market and especially being a woman uh, in this world. I just wanted to prove that you know, oh, I'm so cool and I can do it. And, you know, a girl from small country in Lithuania goes to New York and conquers the Wall Street. So then I just somehow found uh, an exchange semester in um, New York and I spent there half a year um, finishing my um, degree. But from the very first moment, I remember when I just uh, 
landed there. I went straight to the Times Square uh, with my luggage and I was so mesmerized and I was, oh my goodness, that's it. This is my place. I'm going to live here forever. So it was year 2009 after the financial crisis. Uh, of course, nobody was hiring and especially a, a foreigner who just came here and like, hello, hire me. I remember I was sending so many resumes every day. It's like from morning till night. That was my full-time job. Finally, I found one job. I started moving a career ladder in finance. I worked in investment banking and consulting roles. And I really liked it. Um, and I felt great and accomplished for many years. But then I think something really changed after I had a baby. I just was not so excited about doing this career and going to the office every day. Um, I felt like I'm not doing anything really positive. It's just, I don't know, some Excel spreadsheets, who needs them, what are they for? Uh, and I'm just doing this every day uh, and not spending time with my little child. I think she was seven months when I, I had to go back to work. Um, so then um, my, my husband was working in uh, New York real estate for quite some time. So he told me, why don't you join me? And for the longest time, I thought, no, this is not for me. Um, I am a going person, but I was never a person who would approach people randomly at the Starbucks or make friends, wherever I go. I was pretty much to myself and only like be friendly to people if, I don't know, if I'm at work with them and you, you know, when the situation has to, <laughs> to make me friendly, but I would never be the first one to make a contact. So I really did not think that sales uh, would be something for me, but then I thought, well, what do I have to lose? I hate my job anyways. Um, so let me quit, let me get my license. And, um, so my husband was in New York, was a, an, an agent in New York, and I got my license in the state of New Jersey because uh, what was happening around six, seven years ago, uh, people were priced out of Manhattan and they could not afford uh, to live there anymore with exorbitant HOA fees and taxes. Uh, so a lot of people started moving across the Hudson River to uh, Jersey City, Hoboken, and surrounding areas. So we saw that uh, movement, and we actually moved to Jersey City ourselves. And that's why I got licensed in New Jersey. And then me and my husband started collaborating when he had some clients um, that were looking at some properties. And then they're like, okay, it's we did not think that everything is so expensive or whatever we can afford is like in really bad shape. So then he would be, why don't you look in New Jersey? And of course, a lot of New Yorkers who are New Yorkers for many years, they were like, no, are you joking? <laughs> we are New Yorkers. We're never moving to Jersey. But as new development started coming into the area, more and more people started moving. Um, it became really kind of lucrative um, combination uh, of me and my husband working together because we could refer clients to each other. 
So that's how we started. Uh, it was going well, but then one day we were just so tired of being cold. Um, I remember when this happened, I was pushing a stroller to daycare and the wind was so strong that it almost blew me in the stroller away. I maybe shed a tear or two on the way. And then I open Instagram and I see that Nest Seekers, the company that I started with and still I am with, uh, that they are opening an office in Miami. And these two things combined, I think it was like a sign from the gods. And I told my husband, I think I'm ready. That's it. And he tried to convince me to move to Florida for many years. But since I was in finance, I was like, no, New York is the place to be. But that moment, I remember I was done. We're like, okay, our lease expires here in a few months. Let's do it. So we packed so, our thing and moved to Florida. So I have so many places I can go for, go with all of this. My goodness, I love this. So just 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 really quick, was it what did it happen to be like winter months when you got this gust of wind blowing your stroller like all around? Yeah, so it was I think it was like beginning of February yeah. and our lease was expiring in March end. So we had more or less 30 days to give notice if we're extending or we're not. And I think a few days later, we just wrote an email to management. Thank you. We're not extending. So that was literally a spur of the moment. And we made them move within like two months of deciding. So, yeah. And like, look, New Jersey's cold in February. It's very cold. And, and as someone from Wisconsin, like same thing. And I actually uh, I recently have, you know, moved to moved to Florida. Um, second home, not 100 percent. But um, but I can I totally relate to you. Oh, my goodness. Like, let's get out of here. Let's go to Miami and, you know, let's do this. Uh, I want to go back though a little bit to I really I want to go all the way back to Lithuania a little bit because um you know, that's your roots. That's where you grew up. And uh, you, you mentioned the word ballsy and, and fearless. And I have to imagine because uh, I've, I've interviewed, uh, this reminds me of Yana Stockman, who I've interviewed, um, kind of moved from a similar area. And, you know, you kind of have to take that leap of faith and you have to like, really just like, you have to let go and you become a new person and you just go to Barcelona or to Latvia or to wherever it is. What was your early childhood like? Like, what was what did your parents do? And I guess what led you to the point where, like, look, I got to get out of here. I, you know, I I can't be here anymore. So, um, my parents were middle class Lithuania. We were living regular life. I, my mom, uh, was working in um, IT department of the bank. Uh, my dad was a musician. Um, and I was just going to school, getting good grades. Uh, I was also playing violin. I was always busy, you know, studying and extracurricular activities. But I always dreamt that I will study abroad. Um, I was not sure where, but I don't know. I was fascinated with uh, 
with New York for the longest time. And I think a lot of this came from watching uh, TV show Sex in the City. <laughs> and That's then, so funny. Like, <laughs> yes, it looked like such a glamorous life, but I never wanted to be, uh, you know, the girl that just goes shopping. I wanted to have a career and do something, you know, with, with myself. So that's, and afterwards when I studied um, at the university, uh, we had a lot of, um, we had a great finance uh, educator, but I think we may have been a little bit brainwashed uh, saying that if you're working in finance and on Wall Street and you're trading stocks, you're basically on top of the world, which I believed back then, <laughs> you know, but I tried it. Thank you. Next. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but yes, it was kind of difficult, especially because I worked in banking for about 10 years. Uh, it was a little bit scary to just throw all that away and start something new. Um, especially that, I, I'm thinking, I'm glad that I actually went, you know, through that nine to five, but literally like eight to seven experience, um, that, you know, I learned a lot of things and that helped me in my career today. But yes, when you spent, uh, a decade doing one thing and then just, you know, completely change your career, it was really scary. Uh, and actually I started, I got my uh, license in New Jersey. So I started doing real estate part-time, um, you know, just trying it out. And I, I see a lot of people do that. They try to combine um, real estate with whatever else they're doing. But then I decided if I want to do real estate, I need to go all in because, um, I didn't see it work out any other way. You really have to. There's just no other way to do it. And um, I mean, to start out, sure, just to kind of get your feet wet, get a little bit of confidence built, maybe have a sale or two, you know, on your belt and not just like fall flat on your butt, you know, and like have to sell something to be able to pay your rent. You know, I mean, that's a terrible spot to be in. But after that, like, look, do you want to do this or not? And, um, and yeah, that's, I a hundred percent agree. I want to go back to where you, you were talking about times square. Um, I always say this, like, if you, if you remember it, there's generally a story there and I'm just trying to picture you walking through times square with your luggage in, in 2009, you, you, you describe yourself as here, here I am, I'm a foreigner, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm just coming here and I, I describe that feeling because it must just been so awe inspiring. It must've just been like, wow, look at all these lights and all this stuff all around me. Describe what it was like to see it for the first time with, with luggage in your hand. Well, it was like probably the biggest dream come true or like I would describe it as feeling on top of the world uh, because all these lights around there and I'm in the middle of it all. And I'm like, hey, this is kind of my new home. I'm not just here as a tourist. And, you know, I've never been to New York before. I just saw it from movies and stuff. And it was much more inspiring than I've ever felt in my life. And I think like the very next day I started, 
applying for jobs because that was the only way for me to stay here. I still had uh, six more months of uh, studies, so I was fine, but I, I, I probably did not even study <laughs> that much. I, just, I was just doing bare minimum. And the whole day I was spending in the student center or library on the computer, sending my resumes everywhere. And of course my resume was um, geared towards European companies. So it's called CV and um, it was normal to have a picture there and your date of birth and uh, information no. like this. And then somebody local told me like, no, here we don't include a picture on your resume. That's kind of discriminatory. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I had to learn a lot of, uh, you know, cultural things and how things are done here. Um, you know, also another, I was always writing dear sir or madam. That's how we were taught kind of the British way in Europe. And here they say, no, you just say, hi, John. Like, but I don't know this person. I would like at least like Mr. Smith. So yeah, a lot of little things that I had to learn while doing. Well, that's, I mean, that's fascinating to me because, uh, I mean, yeah, dear sir, dear madam. I mean, it's it's respectful, and you feel you probably felt like you were being disrespectful doing it. But you're right; nobody says that in United States. And yeah. uh, so, what made it like you're walking through Times Square? You're just so inspired. You're just like, wow, look at all this. This is the place for me. I got I, I got to figure this out. What a what about it made it so that like, look, I'm gonna be here forever. This is this is my home. I just I feel it. What what. Was it literally just lights and glamour or was it something deeper than that? I think it was the general energy of the place that, um, you know, these huge buildings and just looking at them and thinking that, um, you know, everybody is here to achieve something, um, something bigger, like their dreams and everybody is rushing somewhere. Um you know, so many lives um, interconnected and different restaurants and places that you've only seen on TV, just kind of believing that anything is possible. Because coming from um, small country, um, sometimes you would go to the town, to the city, and there are just a few people walking around. And I never liked this feeling of, of just not being surrounded by people until I got older. Now I would love that. <laughs> I'm just, I want to go on vacation to the forest. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so my phone and see zero people. But back then I, I was just inspired by, you know, opportunities and, and this city. Well, yeah. And you're young. You want to get, you want to get into it. You know, I mean, it's not like you're, you don't have a kid at this time, you know, you want to go out and experience it. And there's just so much opportunity all around you. I'm sure it was just, I mean, I, I, I'm sure it was just like intoxifying. I'm sure it was just like, oh my goodness, I could just go in so many different directions, limitless possibilities. Um, and any young person yeah. chases that. I mean, how can you not love that? Um, go. So you were talking about how you, you know, you had your daughter and, you know, she's seven months old, you have to go back to work and you're not really loving it that much. Um what, what, how did you move from like, Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to conquer the world in this, in this space 
you know, Wall Street, stockbroker, investment banking, all that stuff. What what made you love it so much? But then to get to the point where you have your daughter, you have to return to it, and you're just not fulfilled. What 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 made that like distinction for you? Did that just everything change when you had your ba- baby? I think it started. It was the biggest factor, but um, even before, maybe. You know, at first I was on top of the world. It took me a while to find at first an internship, then secure a job. So it was always a stepping stone. Like it was always a step forward with every opportunity that I've done. And I was learning a lot. You know, my my first job was as a, a trading, trading desk assistant. So I was learning all the systems, how the stock trading works. So that was great. And then I moved to some other roles, but that were not that fulfilling. And then uh, I moved to more of a consulting uh, side. And then I remember that I was given some tasks and I can accomplish them in half an hour. And, you know, and then what? You know, I'm like... (laughs) If you give me this and you think that it should take me a day to do it, then fine, I'll, I'll take the whole day. And at the end of the day, whatever I did is not bringing anybody any money. It's not bringing anybody any happiness. It doesn't cure anybody. It doesn't change the world for the better. It's basically a dull thing that, that you do because you're like in the system. Um, and sometimes you do something and then it doesn't even get used for like any presentation or anything. So basically I was not creating any tangible value. And I remember also going to work with a cup of Starbucks coffee every morning and looking at people in the elevator. And this was the worst elevator, I, I worked on the 30th floor and it would stop on every single floor going up. And it was like a groundhog day. Every morning the same, I'm like, okay, now it's gonna stop on every floor. Everybody in this elevator kind of has sad faces, um, not happy. And I looked around and I'm like, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Or is this how I want to look? in 10, 20 years, be that sour person who does the same thing every day. And, you know, it does not bring you any pleasure. So I started, you know, being unhappy with my situation, but obviously having a child probably expedited this and made me like, okay, you need to think, do you want to be a happy mom or you want to be a sad mom who comes home angry every day uh, because she hates her life? And so that's where I started exploring options. Um, and then, you know, a real estate got thrown by my husband because he was, he was using me for many years to like, write a contract or check if everything you know is in order like uh the admin organizing organizing exactly yeah so i was i was his unpaid assistant for many years (laughs) so then i'm like okay so i know i like what's going on so 
why don't I try and, you know, try to make more money than you? <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's great. And I, I know a lot of people that have actually done that. And then, and then the husband retires, like, well, you got it, you know, you can have it. And I, I just want to go back to the, the elevator story. I can literally picture this and um, I don't travel up and down an elevator. I used to, and man, you're right. People hate their lives. They're literally like you, like you better not make eye contact with these people because like <laughs> yeah. they will just stare you down and like stare straight through your soul with just like, I don't know, <laughs> darkness and just like, I don't know, pain I, I, is really what you, I would describe it. And it's just like, these people really do. They hate their lives. And man, I, I just, I feel like that's almost every elevator I've ever been in now that I'm kind of like reflecting <laughs> on it. But I couldn't imagine 30 floors and everybody and gets up every single day and, and doing that day in, day out, day in, day out. And then a half hour of work and then you're done. And then what do you do? I mean, of course, they're paying you. Of course, you're yes. I mean, you're grateful for the money and you're grateful for the job. But it's just like, I mean, no tangible value. I really love that. This was not the sex in the city life that you were, you know, uh, envisioning <laughs> when you moved there. No, no. So, okay. I want to go, go to the stroller story. Just, just to dive deeper into it. So you're, you're, I, I could just picture this too, because <laughs> like, like it, it, you can picture a stroller in Miami, you know, going around and it's windy, but look, mm -hmm. when it's February, it's like, like, that's like the worst month, gotta be the worst month in New Jersey or New York or anywhere. Yes. Wind gusting around, it's freezing cold. It's zero degrees, less than under freezing wind blows, almost blows over your stroller. What about that? exact moment was just like, I'm, I remember this, you know, I'm, I'm talking about it. And, um, I guess what about this, uh, ended up making you, you know, hundred percent, we're moving out of here. We're going to, we're going to Miami. That was a cold morning in February in Jersey city. And I had to rush with my daughter to drop her off in daycare and then rush to work in Manhattan. And um, if you're not familiar with, uh, you know, connections between Jersey City and Manhattan, there is a path train which takes you to Manhattan. And, you know, nobody really needs a car in that area because everything is easily accessible with the public transportation. If you work in Manhattan, and live around. Uh, so we did not have a car. So I had to walk to daycare with my daughter in the stroller and it was sleet and everything was wet and the black snow and the wind was a million miles an hour. So I almost flew away. And I remember I may have shed a tear or two back then when I maybe like even passing car, just, you know, drove by and like I was all wet from head to toes and I'm like okay so now I'm just going through this to drop off my uh girl in daycare and then go to work that I hate sit there all day then go back to pick her up and be so tired after and the day and and you know go to bed and then the weekend will come and we won't be able to do anything fun because you know, it's cold outside and she's too little to go in the weather like this. So we're basically going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix for yeah. a month. And, and I'm like, so this is, this is my life right now. Like, this is horrible. <laughs> 
So, and then, you know, really I quick. think everything. Really quick. So you, you're, did you literally cry? And, and I want to just ask, I, I only asked this because like, look, that emotion must've been strong. I mean, it must've just wear, worn you out. I mean, it must've just like bit after bit after bit, cold, cold, cold. You're in like, and, and you have a seven month old and you're dropping them off at daycare. I mean, that's gotta be painful in some way. I mean, you're literally giving your, your baby to somebody else to take care of all day while you go and do something you hate. Yes. If you're, were you just like walking down the stroll on the side of the road, like literally like bawling, crying? And like, I mean, do people see you? You know what I mean? Like what, what, talk, talk about that. Speak about that. I think I was, yes. Um, I don't know if I was bawling, but crying, definitely. I think I call, and you know, in New York, it's, it's normal to see people on the subway crying. Uh, nobody really <laughs> pays too much attention. Like, you know, it's New York, something <laughs> happens to everybody. So that's what I like about that place. Um, but yes, I think I called my husband right away and uh, I told him I'm ready to, to move to Florida. Because as I mentioned, he tried to convince me for many years. Um, he used to live in Key West for a couple of years. Wow. And he's like, let's move to QS. I'm, like, I'm not moving from the biggest city in the world to a little village. Where no, where, where, yeah, people go to disappear where there. Where walk in the street. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right, right. That's so, so funny. Then, I mean, your husband seems so fascinating to me too. I mean, I just, I, I, I love your story getting into Miami. So let's talk about it. So you moved to Miami, you and your seven-month-old uh, daughter, or I guess eight-month-old now, because your, yeah. your your lease expired in March. Um, what was that like? Did you buy? Did you buy a house? Did you? And, and I mean, my goodness, you're moving across the country. I mean, again, you know, you're you know, it's kind of like, well, here we go. Uh, what was that like? And uh, and what did you find? And and how did you move forward? And how'd you get to today? So. You know, uh, I just flew for a few days here to take a look at places where we may stay. Um, so, you know, we came to vacation in uh, Florida pretty often, at least, you know, once every six months, because uh, it's an easy flight. Um, and probably like majority of visitors to Miami, we only knew about South Beach. Um, and then we decided to come and explore uh, the city because there's downtown, there's Brickell, there's Midtown, places where a few years ago, uh, I don't think that a lot of tourists knew about. So we just explored it. And then I looked, hey, Brickell is actually like tropical Manhattan. There are a lot of um, offices, a lot of businesses. So you know, there, there's a lot of opportunity, but then of course, as everybody who moves from the city and a cold city, we wanted to stay by the water. So the first year we stayed in South beach, um, a little further from all the crazy parties and everything. Um, but still walking distance to the ocean. And it was like complete night and day. We would wake up in a great mood. Um, you know, we could walk to the beach, we could go for a run. Every day is a great weather. 
um, we didn't have this problem that the weekend comes and we have to stay on the couch because it's just too cold to do anything. So we were very, very happy. But what happened is since we we're both in real estate and we didn't have to go to a regular job Monday to Friday, we started slacking off a little bit. So for example, it's Monday and we wake up and we're like, all right, so do we go to the office today or should we work from the beach? So we're like, okay, let's work from the beach. And then, you know, you have a margarita for lunch and then your work day is basically done. <laughs> so the first year we were kind of a lot, a little bit too much vacationing. That's why we decided, well, let's move to downtown. Uh, so the second year we moved to downtown uh, where it's more of the city feel. You see actually people wearing suits to work as opposed everybody shirtless in South Beach. So this kind of you know calmed us down a little bit. Um, especially we're pretty close to the office so we could go there and work peacefully. So right now we're still exploring the areas, um, looking, you know, obviously the child is growing. So we are looking for good school areas, um, but not sure where we want to settle for a longer time. But there are so many different areas in Miami um, that, you know, it's something for anybody. You yeah, can so have suburban life, you can city life, you can have beach life. I mean, and it's just driving distance away to go to the beach, but I, I can absolutely relate to you on the, look, it's a vacation and then you have a margarita at noon. I, 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 my second home is 600 footsteps from, from the beach. And like, look, you walk the beach every day, but like it is, it's a different mentality. You have, you literally live in swim trucks. Like that's just like how <laughs> your day is. Because yeah. if you're not going to get all sandy with something else, but like, it's kind of hard to get away from that. And if paradise is legitimately just out the door right there, what are you going to do? And that's so, that's fascinating to me that, that then, okay, you spent a year doing that, but then moved to the downtown shirtless to suits. I really love that. Just, just, just thinking about it. Um, so, so look, you guys, you guys just did it and, and you just made it into you're like, look, we got to work, you know, we got to do this. Talk about how, because here, a lot of people try to enter the luxury space or the ultra luxury space and they crash and burn and they fail. And the reason why I would argue is because, I don't know, they kind of come into it like uh, like you were moving to United States, moving to Manhattan. Oh my God, look at all this bright, shiny stars and everything. Well, yeah, you have to ride an elevator every single day and hate your life, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's not all glitz and glamour. What? How did you get to the point where well, number one, you're doing a transaction that's over a million bucks and, and, and even more 20 million bucks, 30 million bucks. Like, how did you get to the point where this is more of your reality and you're doing this, you know, on a regular basis? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I was working in New Jersey and New York. So the prices obviously for one bedroom were close to a million dollars. So these prices were not kind of shocking to me. Um, but then seeing prices here in South Florida, they're still slightly lower than, uh, as compared to Manhattan. So it was not like it was a huge shock. It was just realizing what your dollar can get up North and here for, you know, $1 million in Manhattan, you will have the view of the dumpster or the, the building in front of you. In here for 1 million, you can have an ocean view. 
and you know two bedrooms not one bedroom so it was not like a big uh pri pricing shock but then you know some of these new constructions uh, especially on the ocean they are penthouses 30 40 million dollars that's obviously a, a different ball game uh but you know once you get into these buildings and you because what we started doing we were completely new to the area so we started visiting different buildings uh, to just know what they have to offer what kind of amenities so whenever a client tells us what he wants oh i want the building to have a kids playroom or i want it to have a tennis court so we want to be able to tell them right away let's look in this and that building um so we started visiting these buildings and then this ultra luxury just becomes kind of a norm that you see every day and it doesn't even impress you that much um you know i i still don't live in a building with you know 30 million dollar penthouse but who knows well, but at the same time, it's just like, look, it's not, you're fearless just to kind of call it out. And people that are fearless or people that are high-end professionals, me too, I don't care. Like, I don't care if you're in a $30 million house or a $3 million house or a $300,000 house. To me, it doesn't matter. You're going to treat somebody the same exact way. You're going to perform at a high level of service no matter what it is. But as you start to see these places over and over and over again, you're right. It kind of becomes blah. And I actually, I really love this because uh, when you move from Wisconsin to Florida, it's like it's the opposite of what what of what you were describing from Manhattan mm -hmm. to uh, to Miami because like look you start to get more value from Manhattan to to Florida but if you move from Wisconsin to Florida it's like oh my God I could buy you know a million dollars is like it's a you know five thousand six thousand square foot house in the nicest mm -hmm. subdivision around and like you have land you have all sorts of stuff you're on a lake you're everything but a million dollars is a shack on the beach it's like a little tiny one bedroom or two bedroom on the beach. But mm -hmm. what do you want? You know, and I mean, um, it, it's funny how 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 that difference is. And I bet you, I mean, would you would you attest that to or, or point that out as like, look, you just weren't intimidated by it at all. I, I think that that intimidation factor really does make it so that people aren't successful, and you just weren't. Would you would you attribute that to some of your success? I would say yes, and also, um, you know. I think it's stupid to be fearless if you don't know stuff. Then you just look like an idiot. Right. So that's why, you know, we started going to all these buildings and learning everything that there is about them. So when there is a client who can spend, you know, a couple million dollars on the property, obviously this client has something in his brain to that made him successful to earn this money in majority of cases, unless, you know, it was Deutschcoin or something, <laughs> but. Or inherited um, or whatever, but yeah, majority they're, they yes. are. So when, when they give you even that initial call or you have initial meeting, you have to really convince them that you know what you're talking about, uh, that you know the area, that you know the prices of different buildings, uh, the HOA, everything that is, there to know about the building because otherwise they're like, why would I work with that person if, if they don't know their stuff? You have to command it. You really do. And a person at that, at that AAA personality, they really need a AAA personality to come along with them. 
to have that direct communication right right back and forth. I 100% agree with you on that. Otherwise, you're right. They're going to walk all over you. You're, it's just not going to work. Um, you have to put in the work is what I like to call it. it I mean, it, you're either an expert or you're not. It, it's just as simple as that. And to be an expert, you have to put in the work. It's a daily discipline. You have to go out and see the buildings. Um, I want to talk about, so, okay. It, in the ultra luxury space, it's kind of like, I don't know, lifestyles of the rich and famous. It's something that like a lot of people would look and watch a show about, you know, it's because it's fascinating. It's cool. It's not something that the majority of people see every single day. What's the most expensive place that you've ever been a part of a, a transaction? And then what's the most interesting uh, place that you've ever been a part of? Hmm. So um, actually the most expensive uh transaction was uh close to a hundred million dollars but that was a multi-family property so this was more about the numbers and i think that's where actually my finance background was really helpful because i was able to you know project the future revenue and stuff like that and explain the numbers and actually understand them myself uh because if i would not understand them then you know how would i make the deal happen um, but then, um, the most interesting, maybe unique, maybe, maybe interesting is the wrong word, most unique property, or I guess here, most fun you had with one, you know, I mean, any, I saw, there's so many cool things on your website with just like videos <laughs> and stuff. I just, I, I was telling you, I was getting lost with just like kind of watching a couple of the things. There's a lot of really cool places on there, but I guess if you were to pick one that was like, like this was by far the coolest place that I was ever a part of, um, what would it be? Well, so for example, at the moment, we are uh, selling a house of uh, NBA legend. I don't know if I should mention the name or no and his celebrity wife. Um, it's Scotty so P it's Scottie Pippen's ex-wife. I literally watched, I watched that one. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, that was fun because we were actually uh, producing a little, you know, promo videos and teasers. And of course, people are excited to see celebrity houses. And then we had an amazing event. We had a two day event over there where we um, invited uh high and ultra high net worth individuals from the area. We had uh, super yachts parked in the backyard. We had um, luxury cars parked in front. So actually um, me and um, uh, my co-listing agent, Aaron, um, we created that event um, with our own resources. So this was something actually due to me um, to actually work on creating an event. So now if, you know, if I ever need to have a resume again, hopefully I will not. Um, so I can put, you know, event organizer. So I think <laughs> <laughs> that was, and that's why, you know, real estate is exciting to me because you never know what the next day will bring. And, you know, I worked on creating an event. Uh, who knows what will be next? Maybe we'll have like some uh, rapper performing, you know, on the next event. You also don't know who you're gonna meet and who you're gonna work with. So that's pretty exciting. That I mean, it really is, and and it's. I mean, yeah, I would say being a realtor is your. It is event planning. You know, you're you're managing so many moving parts, or at least like overseeing a lot of the stuff and you know, you're, you're doing unique, different stuff. So like I saw in that particular one, there's like 
there's a Ferrari, there's a Porsche, there's a um, there's a Mercedes. Um, what the heck's it called? The G wagon. You the, like these three cars are included in the purchase. Like it's kind of, that's outside mm-hmm. of the box. Uh, and then like you could fit a hundred, like it's a hundred ninety foot deep channel or something like that. I was just I was really getting into it. Just like it's such a unique property. But if you're gonna sell that you better come at it with some unique approach. You know, it's not just about mm-hmm. the dollar and dollar and cents. It's about how does it feel? And what's that whole, I guess, what's the presentation all about? Does a lot of thought go into that? Or does like, is that just really, does it kind of just happen? So what I also learned in real estate um, that sometimes you have to stress less and things go smoother. Uh, if you start overthinking everything, then, um, you know, you, you're just gonna age prematurely. You're not going to sleep well, and you have to be ready that something will go wrong because something will always go wrong. And you know, you're, you're ready for that, but yes, you, you have to be prepared and somewhat organized. Um, definitely. And also, Uh, Coming back to the most interesting property, it's still not my listing, but I'm working on it. I think that would be the the coolest thing. And maybe I'll show the owner (laughs) this podcast so he signs with me finally. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so there is actually a private island. Uh, I'm not going to disclose where, but it's somewhere nearby. Um, that I have so many ideas how we can create an event and um, invite some influencers and just sell it because he tried to sell that island for a couple years and still not sold. So, so that would be really, really cool to start selling islands. I have to ask you, so, and actually I know somebody owns an island in, in Miami and I'll, I also have to, I'll, I'll, I'll withhold the information. Maybe we'll do it off camera. But the, the thing is, is that, that's a definite unique thing. I mean, my goodness, mm-hmm. just what's the price range to have something? Cause this is one of those cool things where it's just like, it's fascinating to a lot of people. What, what monies do you have to be, have available to be able to get into a, Hey, I have my own private Island. So I think that one will be priced somewhere like around slightly below $20 million. That to me doesn't even sound like that much, truthfully. I mean, it, it's a lot. Don't get me wrong. That's a ton, that's so much. Who has $20 million? Like you're, you're small percentage. Totally of people. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. like, you know, so it, it is definitely something that is exclusive, but it just seems to me like here, if you have a, an island in Miami area, just like we're a super sought after area, my goodness, you could own your own private island. I just feel like what? Why would you buy a $30 million penthouse on the top, on, on the top floor when you could literally have your own Island? I mean, it just seems like, <laughs> it just seems like a no brainer to me, but I don't know, mate, what, who's the buyer of that? It, it, it like, it wouldn't, it, I'd have to imagine that that would be easier to sell than a 30, $40 million penthouse. Maybe not. I would think that that would be um, an investor um, who would just rent that property, you know, because um you know, it sounds cool to live on the private island, which is, you know, not a huge island. It's just a small one. Your house is there in the backyard, but it's just, you know, a little further away, secluded. Um, so, but every day you would have to take a boat back and forth. I think that would just like wear out and you would want to have a luxury and, you know, 
delivery service and maid coming and whatever. Right. But, you know, to rent out for, you know, events or people who want to run away from everybody like me, you know, when I said I want to take vacation in the forest. So private island could be an option. (laughs) I really love that. Well, uh, you know, Margo, I want to be really I want to be super respectful of your time. And uh, there's there's a few questions that I ask everybody and I want to make sure that I get these. Uh, get these out to you. I'm going to have to have you back on. This has been just such a fascinating uh, interview. I really love this. Um, so, okay. The first, first question, do you feel like you ever had a big break? You know, I had small big breaks. Um, I, I think that I'm in the middle of a big break right now uh, because you know, since moving to Miami, like now two and a half years ago, um, it started really slow, especially that I did not know anything about the area. So it did not go as well as I had hoped. So the the first year was kind of tough. It was basically learning everything. Um, now I feel like I have overload of work. But sometimes you just take two steps forward, one step back, something, you know, goes back. So I'm still waiting on my big break, which would be, you know, selling a few penthouses uh, in a row. (laughs) That would be my big break and an island. I really love it. That's just like, I mean, it's just super real. Um, You know, you're waiting for your big break, you know, but I would argue like, look, you've made it this far with a lot of really cool things. And um I just love that that's a fire answer. All right, next question. If you were to do it all over again, Margot, what would you change? I think I would stop working with a lot of clients earlier because when I think you're just starting, you just start working with just anybody and you know for a couple months for like i would say up to six months it's okay you know while you're learning and figuring out but sometimes i found myself still holding on to these clients that that were just dragging their feet for months and right now i don't have time for that unless that client is purchasing a 40 million dollar penthouse then yes but just, I would pick, I would figure out, I would try to look at the bigger picture and bigger fish rather than getting like every little chance that I, I get. Boy, that's really great advice. I cannot wait to play this interview for several of my real estate agent friends. There are so many people that just struggle with like the $50,000, $100,000, like the people that are just here. It, it, it takes more work in the, in those areas. And it's just so much less fulfilling. I mean, granted you're providing a service, but at the same time, like how much time, how much is your time worth? I mean, it comes down to that. And are you going to be working with the upper end people? Or are you going to not? I mean, it just comes down to that. I, that's fire advice. I cannot wait to share this. I have several people I can't wait to share that with. Yes. And also if I, if I add my add to this, you know, you, sometimes it takes less effort and time to sell a higher end property than the smaller end because then there's something wrong with inspection, something is broken. And usually it may be like first time home buyer who doesn't know how it works. So sometimes it takes less effort to 
to work on a higher end property. So why not just, just go for it. I just had one, for instance, it came down to a thousand or $2,000 and they were all going to walk away. Like a thousand dollars. You're walking, you put in all this work. You guys are going to walk thousand. I mean, it, that's just the way I look at it. And, and meanwhile, it, you would ask somebody that's buying a million dollar property. Hey, I need you to wire an extra $5,000 or something that messed up, but this is what it is. The, the, the text would be money's on the way sent. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And it's just like, it really is. It's just a different mindset of people when it comes, if it comes down to a thousand dollars, that's a problem. Like what? Totally. <laughs> um, all right. Next question. Margo, was there ever a time you felt like giving up? Oh, like every other day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's just real. Elaborate. Give me a little bit more on that. Well, so uh, listen, at first, at first when you're learning the ropes and you struggle and then, you know, cause it's such a roller coaster. I said like, I don't need to go to Disney world because I'm on a roller coaster every day. So, you know, one day you are, you know, on top of the world, you get an offer for like $15 million property and you're just, yay, you know, life is amazing. And, you know, you, you're planning how future vacation and everything. And then, you know, next morning you wake up to a text that they're canceling, you know. And then that day I'm like, okay, maybe I just like stay in bed all day. Like, I don't want to see people. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to cry. And why am I even doing this, <laughs> you know? But then, you know, you wake up next morning and here's another text. They're like, Oh, we're back on. So, you know, it's a, such a roller coaster. So yeah, every other day when this happens, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> you know, maybe I should just find a, go back to my regular job. But then I think how miserable I was there. So, you know, I'd rather do this emotional roller coaster than emotional death. Right. And, and it's just about, I mean, you really learn emotional intelligence pretty quick. You know, you don't learn how to manage the spikes either up or down. And like, look, you, you mentioned like, yeah, you get the $50 million text. You're going to do it. You're on top of the world. I always tell people this, especially in real estate or mortgage, if you're on top of the world, go out and celebrate because it's ain't going to last long. Go out and celebrate <laughs> right now. You know, live your life, you know, be, be, be fun with it because yeah, you're right. You're going to have that down. It's going to come. Um, yep. And you got to just manage it. And I think that as you, as you progress, as anybody progresses, um, you know, they manage that a little bit better, but I, I, I really love that. That's just super real to our industry. All right. So final question, uh, you know, Margo, there's, there's a young Margo out there. Um, you know, maybe they're, you know, from Lithuania, maybe they're from another European country. They're, they, they, they want to move to the United States. Maybe, um, maybe they're in New York. Uh, maybe they're, you know, just trying to get into on, onto wall street. Uh, maybe they're riding that elevator 30 floors every single day and just hate their life. Maybe they're, strollers getting blown over by some wind, um, some cold wind. Maybe they're considering moving to Miami. Maybe they're considering real estate in general. What advice would you give to someone looking to get it done? I would just say, like Nike says, just do it. Because I know from myself as well, you know, sometimes I have an idea, but I'm procrastinating not because I'm lazy, but because I'm scared. I'm scared to take that first step and thinking, what if, like, what's going to happen? We're going to move to Miami and 
you know, we're not going to have jobs and we're going to be broke. And what then? Well, you will figure it out. You know, if, if you move to another city and you don't have a job, you can be an Uber driver. You can, and you should not be scared of that. Cause you know, I, I also was thinking, Oh, I have a master's degree in finance. So I'm supposed to work in finance and banking, but no, if, if I go broke, I can go be a bartender. I don't care. You know, whatever just makes me happy and brings me closer to my goal. And yes, it's scary, but I think you learn as you do and you figure out as you do. If you're just not doing anything, nothing is going to happen. Boy, I just love that. Just like Nike, just go out, just do it. That's fire. All right. I want to uh, thank you, Margot, for joining us today. I especially want to thank our audience for listening. Uh, I'm sure that this has been quite quite a, uh, an amazing interview. And, uh, you know, if anybody wanted to connect with you, uh, Margot, about real estate or maybe something else, uh, what would be the best way for them to reach out and connect? Sure. Um, I love making new connections with people from anywhere, with people from different cities, different perspectives. So I think Instagram would be the easiest just because we can, you know, put the face to the person. So my Instagram is the real Margot, the underscore real underscore Margot, M-A-R-G-O. I love it. The real Margot. And we'll put a uh, link to that in the podcast description. Um, all right. That's so, uh, all right, this has been the Get It Done Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And, you know, if you like the show, you want to support us, you know, tell a friend, write us a five-star review, hit that subscribe button. All those things make a huge difference in helping us reach more people. Once again, I am Jimmy Ryan. This has been the Get It Done Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.